0: Well, good morning, Restoration Road. Uh, As Joey said, my name is Michael. I serve as uh, one of the pastors at a church that's not very far from here uh, in Woburn, uh, about three, four miles from here. And I know Joey said some really nice things about me there, but uh, hopefully you know this. Uh, If you're newer to Restoration Road, you're going to discover in Joey and Natalie, uh, they're a Godly man and a godly woman who, first and foremost, love Jesus with all their heart, love one another, love their kids, uh, and they love this church. And it's been exciting to see what God, in six short years uh, of being around as a brand new church plant, what God's already done in six short years. It's a bit intimidating uh, sharing with you today when I saw on Facebook that uh, you guys officially, after a couple years, got the building. I was like, Lord, I really don't want to be the first guy uh, to speak in the brand new space, but uh, I'm very thankful to be here. I'm excited to be talking uh, about the fruit of the Spirit that is joy. One of the things that Joey has done at the beginning of each message uh, in the series, The Nine, is he shared with you a prayer uh, that uh, initially prayed by John Stott. I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but the part of the prayer that has been really encouraging, uh, but also convicting to me, is cause the fruit of the Spirit to ripen in my life. God, would you cause the fruit of the Spirit to ripen in my life? It's such a powerful prayer, but it's also a really practical prayer to pray. So I know you haven't covered all of the fruits of the Spirit, but my question for us this morning is, if the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, is there any one of us here this morning that would not want God to answer that prayer in your life? I mean, is there anyone here this morning that would not want God to make you more loving, or to make you more kind, or to make you more gentle, or to help you to have more self-control, or to be patient. I'm guessing every single one of us would say, God, would you please answer that prayer, that fruit would be ripened in our lives. But I think if we're honest, and I know for myself, I have asked the question, God, why are you taking so long to answer this prayer? I am praying that you would make me more loving, or more kind, or more patient, Uh, more faithful, gentle, self-control, why are you taking so long to answer that prayer? And I think this is the third message or fourth message in the series, the nine, but one of the things that I've loved that Joey has done with each message so far is he's reminded me and he's reminded all of us of this simple truth that fruit is gradual, that fruit in our lives is a gradual thing. Another way to think about that is God doesn't just flip the switch of love in our life, God doesn't just flip the switch of peace or patience or kindness in our life. He often uses situations. He often uses relationships. He often uses circumstances in our life to ripen fruit in us. But if you're anything like me, and I'm just being honest, there are times I just wish God would flip the switch in my life. I don't like the process of fruit being ripened in my life. I just wish God would flip the switch and just make me more loving, just make me more joyful, make me more patient, make me more kind. Well, God doesn't just flip the switch, it's a gradual process. And today, I wanna share with you one fruit that has taken 20 years in my life to be ripened. Now, a few summers back, uh, maybe some of you would remember this, there was a great movie that uh, Disney Pixar put out uh, called Inside Out, and I took my kids to see it. And it was a fascinating film because it took an in-depth look at the emotions uh, that make up who we are and make up what we do. And there was five specific emotions that they covered in the film. There was fear, anger, disgust, joy, and sadness. And I remember watching that film with my kids, thinking to myself, "I wish I could relate and connect with the character or the emotion." of joy. Like I watched joy's character in the film and I was thinking, gosh, I want to relate with this person. I don't want to be the anger or I don't want to be the disgust or I don't want to be the fear character. I want to be that joy character. But as the film went on, I was just again struck with the character or the emotion that resonated most with me is sadness. Now, the fruit of the spirit that I want us to consider today is joy, and for me, this is the one fruit that's taken 20-plus years in my life to ripen. And I say the better part of 20 years, uh, because for the past two decades, I have battled and struggled with depression. Uh, depression has been a huge part of my story, specifically since my early 20s. Um, I write this: I am a pastor and I struggle with depression. I know you're not really supposed to say that as a Christian and certainly not as a pastor, but the truth is I have struggled on and off with depression for as long as I can remember. Now, I didn't actually write that. That was another pastor who wrote that and uh, a book that I had read years back. But it may as well have been me writing that because as best as I can recall, depression discouragement and heavy bouts of sadness have been part of my story for the better part of two decades. Now, I know most of you don't know who I am, but that is hard for me to publicly admit because the public perception is that if you're a Christian, especially if you're a pastor, then nothing but joy should be overflowing from you at all times. I mean, after all, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. So if joy is not part of your everyday experience, then the assumption is, well, Michael, you must have a lack of faith or you must have some hidden sins in your life. I would tell you that certainly there have been times where there's been a lack of faith, and I would certainly tell you that there have been plenty of sins that certainly contributed to depression or depressive tendencies that I had. But as I studied the Scriptures, I discovered that I was not the only person that struggled with bouts of sadness. With bouts, I mean heavy bouts of sadness and discouragement and times of despair. Uh, A few examples, Uh, two prophets in particular. One, uh, a prophet named Elijah. This is in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says this, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed, that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. God, I'm done. I've had enough. Just take me. Or how about the prophet Jeremiah who said this, I curse the day that I was born. May no one celebrate the day of my birth. I curse the messenger who told my father, good news, you have a son. Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. Gosh, you look at those guys and you're like, man, where is the joy? Both of these guys, who are prophets of God, are just wanting to die. Or how about King David, who largely wrote many of the Psalms? He says in Psalm 42, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad or how about job and if you're not familiar with job he was a man in the old testament uh, who was certainly blessed of god but in one day his life was just flipped upside down and he writes i hate my life and i don't want to go on living oh leave me alone for my few remaining days and now my life it seeps away depression haunts my days Those are just a few examples of people in Scripture who wrestled with serious bouts of depression, discouragement, despair, and sadness. But how about other maybe men and women outside of Scripture, maybe more in our day and age? How about Mother Teresa? I think if you're familiar with Mother Teresa who died almost two decades ago, you would say, gosh, she was a woman who saw God do so many phenomenal things in, with, and through her life. But yet in her journal, she says this, Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me? The child of your love and now become as the most hated one. The one you have thrown away as unwanted and unloved. I call, I cling, I want, and there is no one to answer. No one on whom I can cling. No, no one. Alone, I am told God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. That's what Mother Teresa said. Or maybe Joey's quoted him before, Charles Spurgeon, who was known as one of the most prolific and phenomenal preachers ever, says this, I find myself frequently depressed, perhaps more so than any other person here. See the reality is I could go on and on with both men and women in the scriptures and men and women who we would say are godly men and women outside of scriptures that battled depression, that battled heavy bouts of despair, discouragement, uh, and sadness. Now, if the stats at are all true, it would lead us—they would tell us that one in four people currently today are struggling with depression. One in four people, so one in four of us here today are battling depression, battling despair, discouragement, sadness. Now, I don't know if that's you, and I don't know if this resonates with you. I'm certainly no means an expert in depression, but what I have learned about depression is it has many faces. It's very multifaceted. There are people who are crippled by their depression. They have a hard time functioning in just day-to-day activities, day-to-day work, day-to-day relationships. There are some people who have learned to manage their depression, but it's still there. They're just managing their depression as they go about their day. For me, it wasn't so much crippling and it wasn't so much something I learned to manage. For me, it was something that I had to mask. I had to hide that I was battling and struggling with depression. I've been in pastoral ministry for uh, 21 years now, so for the better part of 20 years, I not only lived under the weight of my own expectations that I had on myself, but I also lived under the weight of what other people expected from me. Like I mentioned before, people expected, Michael, you're a pastor, you walk with God, you should just be oozing with joy. You should be constantly smiling and laughing all the time. And because I knew that's what people expected of me, I had to wear what I just simply called joy's masked so that people thought I was a joyful person. But if I'm being honest, joy was not a fruit of the Spirit to be found in my life uh, for the better part of 20 years. When I was alone, these are the questions that I would wrestle with. God, what's wrong with me? Why am I so sad? Why can't I just snap out of this? And God, will I always be like this? Will I always feel like there is a dark cloud Hovering around me no matter where I go. And the hard reality with those questions that I was asking is that I had no answers. Thus, it made discouragement and sadness feel that much heavier and that much darker. Now, before I share with you uh, what God's been teaching me this past year about the fruit of joy in my life, there's just one foundational truth about depression that's helped ripen the fruit of joy in my life that i wanted to share with you. Now, I've already highlighted that some extremely godly men and women, they battled with depression or heavy bouts of discouragement and sadness. I just want you to know, it's not a sign of spiritual immaturity or it's not a sign of lack of faith or it's not a sign of sin if you or people you know are struggling with depression or struggling with discouragement or despair or sadness. So the truth that it helped me begin to ripen the fruit of joy in my life was this, God is not afraid of my depression. God is not afraid of your depression. He's not afraid of your sadness. He's not afraid of your despair. He's not afraid of the questions that you and I may have been wrestling with. Uh, a very helpful book that I read uh, years ago called Broken Pieces, uh, written by a husband and wife, Stephen Robin Bloom. they said this, David, King David, and the other psalmists often found themselves deeply depressed, for various reasons. They did not, however, apologize for what they were feeling, nor did they confess it as sin. It was a legitimate part of the relationship with God. I want you to catch this. They interacted with him through the context of their depression. It was a legitimate part of the relationship with God. So the question I would ask for all of us, especially those who are battling or have battled Uh, depression, discouragement, despair, sadness. For those battling it, what is God's posture towards you right now? Like think about this for a minute. When you think about how God sees you right now, what do you envision the look on his face to be when he looks upon you? Just think about that for a moment. If God is looking upon you, what is the posture, what is the look on God's face when he sees you? Now for me, when I would answer that question, I would say, all right, if I'm being honest, the look that is on God's face is one of disappointment. He's a disappointed dad. He's a disappointed father. He's shaking his head at me just saying, Davis, when are you going to get it? Like I, I honestly viewed that's how God saw me. Michael, how could you feel like you're feeling in light of everything I've ever done for you? How could you possibly be sad? How could you be discouraged? How could you be depressed? And if you view God through the lens of he's just shaken his head in utter disappointment in you, I can promise you that will only lead to further despair, discouragement, and depression. Uh, and because that's how I viewed God, the thing that was absent in my life for the better part of two decades was joy. So the question for us to consider, is depression part of your relationship with God, or is it something you feel like you should hide from him? Are the emotions that you have, whatever they might be, do you feel like that's part of your relationship with God, the way that you are connecting with God, or do you feel like those things that you are carrying, whatever they might be, depression, sadness, discouragement, something that you should hide from Him? See, what I've been learning from the men and women in the Bible who battle with depression and discouragement, meaning they struggle to have joy in their life, is that because they were brutally honest before God about their true condition, God met them where they were, not where they would be one day. And that is really significant. If we're honest with God where we truly are, what we're truly battling, truly struggling with, even if it's heavy sadness, discouragement, despair, depression, God will meet us in that place rather than meeting us where we think we could be one day. So I just hopefully, I want you to be encouraged to know that God is not afraid of your feelings. He's not afraid of any feelings that you possibly could have, especially sadness, discouragement, and depression. God wants us to be honest, not only with ourselves, but with Him, so that He can meet us where we are. And this is what is new to me over this past year. Where He is, there is going to be joy. In hiding from God, there was no joy. And masking where I was truly struggling with, what I was feeling from other people and certainly from God, there was just no joy. But when I finally came out, outed myself before God and was honest with these things that I was battling, there began to ripen in me the fruit of joy. So I just want to finish our time by sharing with you how God has been ripening the fruit of joy in my life, specifically over the past year. I want to share with you two reasons I can say I'm being honest when I say this. For someone who battled depression for the better part of 20 years, I can honestly say over the past year, literally 365 days, depression is in my rearview mirror, and what I see now in front of me is joy in ways that I've never, never have experienced before. Number one is this joy is found in friendship with God. Joy is found in friendship with God. Now, that might not be the most earth shattering thing you've ever heard, but for me, I was looking for joy in so many other places rather than just saying, no, joy is found alone in friendship with God. I love how the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 5 says this, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I don't know where you are today in relationship with God. Maybe some are still trying to figure out who God is and what God is like. But I'd want you to know that because of Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he's invited us into, Jesus alone makes you friends with God. And when someone has friendship with God, there is joy. For 20 years, I I think I knew that theoretically, but practically and experientially, experientially, I look to my wife, Kyla. I would look to maybe certain things that she could do or would do or would say to find joy. I would look to my job. Uh, I would look to my vocation in pastoral ministry thinking, gosh, if I could get the church to this point or if I could be at this point in ministry, that I would somehow find joy in that. I would look to what people would say about me or I would look to what people would think about me in hopes that if I could get maybe admiration or respect or whatever it might be, that I would get in that, I would receive joy. But what I found in looking to other people, whether it was my wife or my job or just what other people would say or think of me, it honestly only led to the despair, discouragement, depression, and sadness being that much heavier. So I just would ask you, a, a, I think, a tough question to wrestle with is who or what are you looking to today to find joy? Maybe another way to think about that same question is, how would you fill in the blank? If I could just have or achieve this, I know there would be joy in my life. How would you fill in that blank? If I could just get to this point, if I could see this level of success or achievement, if I could maybe get this relationship, the girl, the guy, the husband, the wife, if I could just have a child or multiple kids, if I could get this house or this car, like how would you fill in the blank? If I could just have or achieve this, I know without a shadow of a doubt there would be joy in my life because of that. One of the stories that Jesus tells in the Gospel of Luke, which is a really powerful reminder to me about joy, is he sends his disciples away on mission. And the disciples come back and they're rejoicing. They're rejoicing, telling Jesus Jesus, you're not going to believe it. Like, people were getting healed. People were hearing the gospel. People were hearing about the kingdom of God. And even demons were fleeing. Like, Jesus, it was amazing. There was so much joy that the disciples had over all that they got to see and do and be part of. And you would think that Jesus' response to them would be, man, I celebrate the joy that you have in all that you got to see and do. But Jesus doesn't celebrate their joy what he reminds them of is this truth in luke 10 verse 20 do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven he says to his disciples hey don't find joy in a successful ministry outing don't find joy in the things of man or the things that you'll get to do that's not the root That's not the foundation of joy. If you want to know what the foundation of joy Jesus is telling his disciples, ultimately us, is find joy that your name is written in heaven. Find joy that you can have friendship with the God of the universe so that no matter what man does or doesn't do, no matter what happens to you or doesn't happen to you, whether you have wild success or you have none, joy does not come from any of those things. Joy comes from Friendship with God and friendship with Him alone. It's not to say that when great things happen in our lives that we can't celebrate those things. No. Anytime a child is born or someone is married or a good thing happens, it is okay to celebrate those. But That is not the foundation of where your joy will come from. If it is, your journey will look a lot like mine of just up and down, sadness, despair, discouragement, and ultimately depression. So the source of joy is God. And that is because Jesus, we can have eternal relationship, friendship with him. Uh, This to me was super helpful. I wrote this in my journal a while ago, but I wrote down this. Joy is not found in the absence of depression. Joy is discovered in friendship with God. I thought if I could just get out of my depressive state, my sadness, my discouragement, that I would have joy in the absence of something. And what God's been teaching me over this past year is, And joy is not found in the absence of something. Joy is found in the presence of friendship with God. The second thing that I'll finish with you of what God's been teaching me over this past year uh, is this, joy is a choice I must make. Joy is a choice that I must make. Uh, February 14th, uh, 1998, so Valentine's Day, uh, I got married to my wife, Kyla. So last Valentine's Day in uh, 2018, we celebrated our 20-year anniversary, and we had never really gone away on vacation by ourselves without the kids, and so I surprised Kyla uh, by taking her to Cabo St. Lucas, uh, which is in Mexico. And it was such an amazing trip, an amazing time, but I will always remember that anniversary trip, not for anything that happened with me and Kyla on that trip, but something uh, that God did with me on that trip. Uh, it was about five days into our trip. Now, you would think, gosh, you're celebrating 20 years. It's an awesome trip. Uh, it's a beautiful place, Pacific Ocean. Uh, you would think, if I'm going to have any semblance of joy, it's got to be in a place like that. And after five days there, Kyle's like, Michael, what's wrong? And I was like, I just need to go for a long walk. Uh, I don't know what's going on. She's like, what is it you just want to see God do? And uh, through tearful eyes, I said, Kyle, I'm just tired of being sad all the time. I'm just tired of being sad all the time. And I'm tired of having to act like I'm happy all the time. And for crying a lot, I'm in mean, Cabo St. Lucas, one would think that you would be totally happy and totally jazzed, but I was like, I'm just so tired of being sad all the time. So I said, I'm just going to go for a long walk. And I literally walked on the beach two hours in one direction, didn't see a soul. It was just empty and it was just beautiful, but uh, maybe not hard to imagine. I was crying my eyes out. And I was like, Lord, I'm so sick of this. I'm so tired of 20 years of feeling like this and not being able to shake it. And I remember I stopped for, after about two hours of just walking, crying, yelling, screaming, doing all that I was doing. Uh, I didn't hear the audible voice of God by any means, but as clear as I've heard God speak to me in my life, this is what I heard God say, Michael, you don't have to choose sadness anymore. You can choose joy. And that's not something that was like new to me, but for whatever reason, on a beach in Mexico, last year at this time, uh, I heard God say, you don't have to choose sadness anymore. Michael, you can choose joy. And I can't explain and articulate very well what happened on that beach that day, but whatever it was was lifted from me completely, and I never felt so light and free in my life. A two-hour walk, uh, I didn't skip the way back, but it just felt like I was just floating. I was so excited to go back to tell Kyla. I just felt like God met me in a way that God had never met me before. And it was so simple, but it was just, I needed To hear God tell me, Michael, you don't have to choose this anymore. You can choose joy. And that's what God showed me on the beach in Mexico one year ago, that joy is a choice I must make. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16, you can memorize this before you leave here today, because it simply says always be joyful. If I am always going to be joyful, it's a choice that I must make every single moment of every single day. And this is what I love about the series, uh, the nine series that you guys are in. Imagine if this was not a fruit of the Spirit. Imagine if this was just something that you had to muster on your own. That you were completely alone and by yourself to somehow figure out how to be more loving or more kind or more patient or more gentle or more faithful or more joyful. And what God has taught me uh, over this past year is, Michael, this is not you trying to just choose in and of yourself by your own strength. This is the Spirit of God lives in you. He is enabling you and empowering you to choose joy. Not just sometimes, but always. I hope you can remember that 1 Thessalonians 5.16. Always be joyful. Always covers any time, any moment, no matter where you are, no matter who you're with, no matter how hard and trying the situation, and no matter how good and awesome the situation we have the opportunity because the Spirit of God has been given to us to always choose joy. It took 20 years for this fruit to be ripened in me. I hope that this morning you can be encouraged to know that God wants to ripen the fruit of joy in you, but the joy is going to come first and foremost from friendship with God. And if you have that friendship with God through faith in Christ, then He's given you His Spirit and the Spirit will help you to choose joy every moment of every day so that we can always be joyful. Let me pray. Father God, thank You for meeting us exactly where we are. God, I give thanks that we do not have to hide or mask our true condition before You. God, I give thanks that You are faithful to meet us in that place. And God, I specifically give thanks that You were faithful to meet me in some pretty dark places of sadness and depression and despair. And God, even though it's hard to verbally say, I give thanks that it took 20 years to ripen this fruit in me. God, I give thanks that depression is in my rear view mirror now. And what You're helping me with, God, is to choose joy. And it's Your Holy Spirit that is enabling me to do that. God, I pray for anyone here that is battling currently sadness, depressive tendencies, or depression. God, I pray that you would meet them in that place. And God, I'm confident that where you are, there is joy. God, I give thanks that our joy is not rooted in a situation or a circumstance God, I give thanks that our joy is rooted in the amazing truth that we can be friends with you. So Jesus, thank you for coming and living a perfect life. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross on my behalf, on all of our behalf, to pay my sin, our sin, the sins of the world, so that anyone that would choose to look to you, Christ, and you alone through faith could become friends of God. God, I give thanks that where there is friendship with you, there is joy. God, would you continue to ripen this fruit in me and all of my friends here, that it would be said of the men and women of Genesis and the men and women of Restoration Road, that they are men and women who are always joyful, because our joy is rooted in friendship with God. We pray that Jesus your name. Amen.